All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. This is the Wally and Mathot Show Live. Now, here are your hosts, Brent Wallace and Mark Mathot. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Wally Mathot Show Live. What a busy day, Meth, we have for you. I'm Brent Wallace. He's Mark Mathot. The Methernet has been activated. It looks like it's going to work today, so that's a bonus, eh, Meth? Uh, yeah, just a reminder, this show is smooth. brought to you by <laughs> Whitewater Brewery. Uh, don't forget, uh, shop Whitewater shop whitewater.ca get 15% off use the Wally Mathot coupon code uh, lots of great things for you to pick up including some fantastic farmer's daughter beer and all those other great products they have and if you need it in time for Christmas go to the LCBO and pick some up um but who doesn't love a good Santa beer Santa as we like to call it delivery anyway Matt um so much going on today uh, lots to talk about uh, before we get to who's all in the show I just I want to know if if you need to move. I'm worried about your neighborhood and vandalism that's currently taking place out in front of your house with your <laughs> with your little guy that, that you're cruel. telling everybody to slow down. This is so yeah. good. I appreciate this. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I I had a laugh. I was obviously joking when I posted it. I don't mind that stuff. It's fun. But I mean, I've been removed now from the NHL for several years, so it's time for people to cut the cord. Oh, I don't know. I like. Anyway, I you know I just appreciate it. I just find this humor is so good. So, uh, whoever did it, I totally am on board with all this. Um, all right, so we've got we've got a, a jam packed show, all because Kevin BX had just decided he was going to say a lot of stuff on Hockey Night on Saturday. So, coming up uh, first, we're going to have Bob McKenzie, the Bob Father, is now in the show. Uh, he's now a booze mogul. Uh, there he is, Bobby Margarita. Uh, <laughs> 
I love these graphics. Anyway, good job, Alex. Um, also coming up later in the show, we've got Mason McTavish and a special guest appearance by Connor Bernard as they were quarantining in Alberta as they get set for the World Juniors and Team Canada. And of course, uh, Kevin BX is coming up after Bob. But uh, let's not waste any more time and get right to it, shall we? Bob McKenzie, uh, now with a return guest appearance on our show. We must be doing something, right, to have the big man himself. Bob, uh, Bobby Margarita, how are you? You fully enhanced your... Um your uh, production value since the last time ice opening it seems like a real show and and what a lineup i mean i i honestly have never felt more like a warm-up band i i think you gave me instructions play play two songs sell two margaritas get off we've got juice coming up we got bx coming on he sends faithful want you guys to have adam um so yeah i just i just feel like hey i'm here to sell a couple of margaritas have a few laughs but uh yeah, sends, sends nations on fire right now. We spend no, spare no expense when it comes to putting a show together for you. I just want to say that. Now, um, the Bobby Margarita thing has gone over extremely well, so it seems. Uh, can you take us through how this all came about? I know after the end of each season, you just called yourself Bobby Margarita, went to the cottage, put Product your feet placement. up, and drank away. Uh, <laughs> it, it, and the can looks very good. Uh, it's so it are does. you surprised at how successful the launch has been? Well, it's it's only been a really limited launch. It's only available in Alberta right yeah. now, um, and and actually, uh, it's it was supposed to be January one for Nova Scotia, but I think the next day or two they're going to start getting them prior to Christmas, so early Christmas gift for the folks in Nova Scotia. Um, you know what? It was it's a little bit of a lark. I never ever planned on doing this, and you're right, um, Brent. It was always just a running joke. Uh, Starting five years ago, I bought a margarita machine and I'd fired up in the summer and changed my Twitter handle to Bobby Margarita and, and it kind of caught on and I leaned into it and other people leaned into it. And so it became a little bit of a persona. Um, and a lot of people started calling me that even quite a, you know, a year or two ago, I'd break a story or, or say something on social media and people would respond to Bobby Margarita. I didn't even mention the Bobby Margarita thing. So we kind of had a, a persona and a brand um before we had a product and then it was a little bit of serendipity uh, a guy from the ace beverage company who knew Sh my son sean from their days back in london um guy's name is brock james my meth probably knows him he used to be a beer salesman in london and uh yep. now he works for the ace beverage company and he was gonna just send some product to sean about ace hill mexican lager he just post something if you like it and Sean said, hey, me and my dad talked before, but maybe we should actually do it, a legitimate Bobby Margarita. And he goes, yeah, great idea. And that was in March, and it kind of took off, and here we are nine months later, and uh, it, it's going to be in the LCBO in Ontario. It's going to be in Saskatchewan and Prince Edward Island in April. Sorry, yeah, LCBO in April, uh, Saskatchewan and PEI at the same time. As I said, Nova Scotia now, Alberta. We're going to roll it out as best we can all across the country sooner or later. So it's been a lot of fun. How much drinking of these have you done in order to get the taste right? <laughs> we did a lot of tasting panels and, um, <laughs> you know, that was the important thing for me. You know, it's, it's great to have it and it's fun. Um, and it's fun to do it with Sean too, as my partner. Um, and with the Ace Beverage Group who does like Cottage Springs and Ace Hill and all these really great ready to drink cocktails. Um, so it's been a lot of fun. Um, but you know what? I wouldn't do it if if I didn't really think that you know, the shtick is all great. So we got a, a logo, Bobby Margarita. It's got a hockey stick on it and on the side, the legend of Bobby Margarita. So we have all sorts of fun with that stuff. But 
if it tasted like crap, I wouldn't put my name on it and I wouldn't do it. Simple as that. I mean, I, yeah. uh, my name over time has meant more to me than, than sort of a sticky novelty item. So the, the taste part of it was really, really, really important. So we had multiple tasting panels and um, we took uh, like a month or two in, in June and July to really nail down what we think is a real classic margarita taste. It's not carbonated. Um, we're not trying to pass it off as a vodka cooler. It's It legit tastes like a real margarita and uh, you can either drink it out of the can, which would be handy on the golf course, or you can uh, <laughs> fire it up over ice. If you want salt on the rim, put it on, but you don't really need it because we kind of factored that in to the taste. I'm really happy with it, to be honest with you. Nice. Uh, last question, and that is, uh, is everybody in your family or that you know of getting Bobby margaritas for Christmas? Is that the only gift you're buying people? Only if they buy them. I'm not giving that away. I'm not giving <laughs> product away to anybody. I'm a businessman now. Google didn't charity doesn't start at home or anywhere else for that matter. But uh, no, so true. true. So, thanks. Thanks for having me on today. And, and let me quickly give my two cents on Bieksa, Shabbat, oh. and Send Nation. You ready for oh, that? Here we go. Or do you, yeah, or do you yeah. have no time? No, okay, we, uh, no we, I've, listen, you're, oh, okay. I've got you for the next 20 minutes. Okay, no problem. That's good. Oh, oh then you asked <laughs> ask the question then instead of me just volunteering. <laughs> I thought you were ushering me off stage. My two songs were up. and No, my, no. Okay, bring it on. We, we not Juice is a secondary guest to you uh, any day of the week. So um, <laughs> don't. Why, so you brought up, so what did you think of Kevin's comments on Saturday okay. night uh, on Hockey Night. In so th this is perfect. After I after I teased how I was going to say something about it, the first thing I'm going to say is I didn't actually see or hear Kevin's comments, and I didn't even watch the full game. But it doesn't matter. So what I'm going to what I'm going to tell you about Kevin BX is this: he is a star. Um, in, in my books, I don't know that there's a better guy sitting on a panel in doing national games in Canada, United States, than Kevin Bieksa. From the moment he got to Hockey Night in Canada, I looked at him and I said, this guy's good. He's, he's insightful. He's funny. He's a smart ass. He's smarmy. He's abrasive. He's annoying. He's, he's highly intelligent. He's, he can also be self-deprecating. And I just think he does a, an absolutely marvelous job. And, and I, quite frankly, was surprised when when TNT and ESPN started putting together their national panels, I was shocked that they didn't try to steal this guy because I don't think anybody anybody does it any better than uh, than he does. So uh, now I've pumped his tires. Um, on the <laughs> now on on Saturday night in particular, and I watched some of the Sens game. I should point out too, I've never been more of an outsider as far as the NHL goes than I am now. I, I haven't watched a complete hockey game. Um, in the NHL for October, November, December. I haven't had to. I'm not obliged to. So I, I check in here and there when, when my kid's doing a game. Um, I watch it. But I, I will say this. I started watching some of the game, and I saw Shab Shabbat's minutes, like, creeping up to, like, the insane level. And I was watching him play, and it reminded me very much of the World Junior Championship gold medal game. Was it 17, 15, whatever? I can't remember. I get them all confused. And it, but it was it would have been the one in Montreal, the final. And it was Canada, U.S. went to a shootout. And him, and, Shabbat and Charlie McAvoy waged a personal battle in that game that was on my probably top five, top ten world junior moments I've ever seen. I've never seen two mm. defensemen elevate their game and and go to another level like Shabbat and 
McAvoy did in that game. And I came away from that and I said, I don't know how it's all going to turn out for these guys, but it won't surprise me based on what I saw in that game and what, what I knew of them even before that, that one or both of these guys is going to win a Norris Trophy one day. Um, and when I saw Shabbat doing some of the things that he was doing, and again, it's strictly anecdotal because I was just popping in and out in the game on Saturday night, but I was looking at his minutes and I was looking at some of the plays that he was making and I'm like, oh my God, he's, he, he has the ability and, and, and it comes with a qualifier because you can't play 35 minutes and not get mentally fatigued and break down and give pucks away in overtime or whatever the case may be. And so I saw Kevin, I, I, anecdotally, I saw Kevin's comments after the fact in print where he's either the best player or the worst player on the ice. I think he, he might've said something along those lines. If, if yeah, you're going to, yeah. if you're going to play that many minutes and you're on a team like the senators, that's still not even close to a fully formed team, you're, you're going to have things blow up on you, but it doesn't matter because when the Sens eventually get Sanderson uh, in the fold and he matures and when they, you know, a guy like Bernard Docker matures um, and I, I believe Shabbat can, I think he can be a special player for, for the Ottawa Senators. And I was marveling at some of the things he did in the short time that I was watching on Saturday night. And so I, I think, whatever Kevin did or didn't say, and I'm not going to put words in his mouth or defend it or criticize it. Um, I, I, I think he's probably right that there's an element of when Shabbat's really good, he's really, really good. And when he's not, but for me, it, it's a moot point because he's 24 years old. And I think he has the potential and the ability to do things on the Ottawa blue line that haven't been done since Eric Carlson left. And, and I really believe uh, that. Is... I think he's got a chance. Go ahead. Sorry, Bob. Is he on your Olympic no, team? No. Um, I, I haven't drilled down hard enough on that. And and is he is he fully? I, I wouldn't. He, I, I would never hesitate to put him in that situation. I believe if you put him in that situation, especially with better players on a better team, a more fully formed team, and give him a very specific role, I, I think he's. Um, you know. So I guess the short answer is an uninformed answer would be yeah. I would find a spot for him because I think he's that good. I really do. I just think he's, I think he's got star A plus plus material. Um, but as I said, there's he's not a, by even close to a fully formed player, and I don't know that he'll become a fully formed player until the Sens become more of a fully formed team. Um, when he's surrounded by more good players on the blue line and the maturity level of the entire team takes off, then he'll take off. And and I just think he's. Um, He's destined to be a great NHL defenseman. And I, I stand by the fact that um, I think he and McAvoy can win Norris trophies one day, that it's not going to be the exclusive domain of Kale McCarr or Adam Fox. Or I, I would put those guys in that category. But I mean, there's great, you know, whether it's Wawrenski or, or whomever, there, there are a lot of really good young defensemen and Ottawa's lucky to have a guy like Shabbat. Uh, you talk about that World Junior game in Montreal. I was at that game with my kid. It was one of the, the most fina- uh, fascinating games I've ever been to live. Really enjoyed it. Um, by the way, Bobby Margarita brought to you by SportsInteraction.com. Go to SportsInteraction.com slash Wally Mathot. Uh, get in on the action. They are Canada's online casino and sportsbook. Uh, Bobby, you uh, saw the World Junior training camp, if you will, selection camp. How do you like this team's makeup right now? You know what? It, I, on paper, it looks pretty good. Um, it would look better, I guess, if you had Jamie Drysdale. It would look better if you had Quentin Byfield, Cole Sillinger, and Seth Jarvis. Yeah. So you've got three forwards and one very, very, very good defenseman who's played in each of the last two World Juniors. Um, but, the, you know, the World Juniors have kind of passed Jamie Drysdale by or vice versa. 
Um, but the team they've got, I think, is, 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 looks very deep and competitive. Um, it's hard to know. You never really know. Well, you've, you've been to enough World Juniors. You never really know what the personality of the team, what it's going to take on. And yeah. it's really disappointing that they had to postpone the three pre-tournament games because that's where you start to really get a feel for what they're all about. And, and so you were supposed to play Switzerland on Sunday. You were supposed to play, I think, uh, let's see. Russia, Russia is tomorrow. one of them, isn't it? Russia was yeah. supposed to be the Wednesday game. And Sweden was supposed to be, I think, the game that would have been played tonight. It would have been so yeah. good to see that Canadian team and find out how they measure up against those teams. Don't get the chance to do it. Um, they're going to have one game. I think it's against the Russians, and I think it's on uh, on uh, the 23rd, 23rd? 24th. Yeah, 23rd it is, yeah. So, it, you know, we would know more about this team. So it's going to be a work in progress, but they all are. But I, I like the team. Um, and uh, I'm fascinated for Dave Cameron to come back and have an opportunity mm -hmm. to try and uh, put behind him the, the, the debacle that was the third period in, in Buffalo. Um, you know, he, he coached and, and handled that team flawlessly until the third period of the game against the Russians. And, you know, people remember that as one of the great collapses of all time, but it's, it's typical junior hockey. And then, I mean, at the time, we're all we're, we're, we're in Buffalo – we're watching the game unfold. Canada's up 3 nothing in the third. The Russians score five straight. And you're saying to yourself at the time, how can that happen? Well, number one, it's junior hockey. And number two, you look back on it now and it was, okay, well, who are the guys that led the way? Hmm, I didn't really know Artemi Panarin very well back then, but we do now. Uh, Kuznetsov and Tarasenko. Um, and I mean, it's not as if we, those guys are first-round picks and they're not surprised at anybody. But now when you look back on it and you're going, okay, um, so you're telling me that Vladimir Tarasenko, Evgeny Kuznetsov, and Artemi Panarin um, came alive for 20 minutes in the third period and and, and blew Team Canada out of the water. Okay, I, <laughs> makes sense to me yeah. now. <laughs> it was wild. That game was wild. Um, do you know much about like Mason McTavish? Uh, he's a carp guy here in Ottawa. We follow him closely. Third overall oh, yeah. pick with Anaheim. Um, he scores in his first NHL game. Big night for him. You expect things from him after he watched the U18s and he led them to that gold medal. Big as well. time, big time. He's gonna if, if Canada's gonna be if Canada's gonna win the gold or contend for gold, then they're gonna need uh, Mason McTavish to be at the top of his game. I love watching this kid play hockey. He's he's a throwback. Um, I always want to call him like heavy metal McTavish because at the under 18 he had so much every everybody was growing their hair back then it was in the midst of the pandemic and what have you and that but he he just had so much hair it was it was everywhere it was coming out of every uh every part of his helmet and he had the big beard and the guy looks like he's 35 years old I mean yeah he um, does yeah I don't think this kid's ever been carted in his life you know if he was going out with his teammates they'd say you can go in but your your sons over here are gonna have to have to show us ID, um, and he and 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 he's you know he's he's you can see I I saw him and I was talking to Craig Button about this when we were in Calgary at the camp. He's really leaned out. He's really thinned out. Um, mm. You know he was he was this massive man amongst boys at the under eighteen, and now he looks a lot leaner and a lot quicker. But and he's cut his hair so he looks a little, far more respectable. But um, I, I just feel like when he skates out on the ice, like Metallica should start playing. And uh, he's a throwback type player because 
he, he, you know, he's, he's got an abrasive element and he goes to the net so yeah. hard and he's mixing yeah. it up with people and he's trash talking people. But boy, can he shoot a puck. And, uh, and I, you know, I'm old enough to remember when his dad played for the Peterborough Peets and I was covering the OHL back then. Um, so, but no, he's, he's, he's legit and, uh, he's going to have to be a, a driving force, uh, for Team Canada as a top two line center for them. Do you know much about Ridley Gregg, the Ottawa Senator draft pick, who's known as being abrasive and sandpaperish and yep. may cross the line occasionally? Uh, has Team yeah. Canada talked to him about that? Was it a concern? Well, I don't think I don't think there's any doubt they're gonna they're gonna have to stay on him because that's you know that's his nature. Um, you know, so I mean those those Sens first round picks, you know, Ridley Gregg and uh, Brian Boucher's kid was it Tyler Boucher, right? Um, yes. You know. It, the, the the biggest challenge with those guys is calm down, boys, <laughs> settle down. Especially when you're at you know when you're at the World Juniors, um, where the international standard of officiating is is much tighter. Um, they're much more likely to get on a prey to the penalty box. But I I think he knows that, and uh, I'm sure Team Canada knows that. Um, but he's also a guy that was you know just lighting it up in the in the Western Hockey League. So. Um, yeah, he's he's also going to be an important guy for uh, for Team Canada. Uh, last player I want to ask you about Connor Bedard, who's Mason McTavish's roommate, uh, 16 years old. There was a lot of it seemed to be consternation about whether or not to put a 16 year old on since in the first in Spezza and Bowmeister in '99. Was there any concern or question mark for you? He, he seemed to do so well at the selection camp that it just did, it seemed to be a no brainer to begin with. Yeah, it, there was no doubt, and I, I wasn't surprised. I mean, going in, you have to you have to allow for the possibility that maybe a five foot nine, sixteen year old might be physically overwhelmed um, going up a level. Um, and you're playing the U sports teams, and it's up a level in one sense because the kids from U sports are 21, 22, 23, 24, 25 years old. They're men, um, but they're not you know NHL caliber players. Um, some of them could be close, but, um, yep. but nevertheless, still for a five foot nine, 16 year old, that's, that's a big step up. And right away he showed that there was no issue with the speed. There was no issue with the physical play. There was, and, and it's funny because he's five foot nine and they, I think they list him as 180 pounds. I saw him on the, I saw him in street clothes the night that after they'd made the announcements, he was doing an interview in the lobby of the hotel in Calgary with uh with mark masters and um he's got the hockey player body he's got the big backside the really thick legs low center of gravity you can see where where the power comes and why a kid that's only five foot nine and quote unquote would be perceived as physically immature didn't look that when you when you get the gear off of him um so anyways he he was so good in in the games again better in the first game than the second game but they moved him into center that's more of a challenge for him. So it was a no-brainer that he had to be on the 25-man roster. He's a guy that I don't know whether he, I would say he'd be hurt by it, but the lack of pre-tournament games might negatively impact him because those pre-tournament games were his next big, big test of, okay, now you are going to go up against world-class competition that is a few years older than you, stronger, faster, whatever the case may be. But this kid can shoot. I haven't seen many kids where the puck pops off the stick the way it does with this kid and how he puts himself in positions to make plays and score goals. So even amongst, even amongst 
quote unquote exceptional players, which you got the official designation, there seems to be a real special quality to this kid. But I, I think he, I would have liked to have seen him more games in the pre-tournament to try and nail down a spot in the lineup. Because right now I think he's technically, as you go through the lineup, they're, they're probably calling him the 13th forward. Um, but that doesn't mean anything. And well, he'll forge his way. And I'm sure he's going to get power play time for sure. And he might have a much bigger role in that by the time it's all said and done. Yeah, we keep seeing players eventually that that 13th role end up second, third line or first line players throughout the, the tournament. Yeah. Um, one of the things we've noticed lately, Bob, I want to ask you about coaches. And we've seen, you know, uh, Paul Maurice is now available and Lan Vigneault and uh, Claude Julian. We could throw in Mike Babcock and even perhaps Joel Quinville. Are we going to see a big change this summer in the NHL coaching ranks of because there's so many, it seems like, world-class coaches available. Will we see Quinville get back? Will we see Babcock come back? Yeah, it's it's hard to say, really. Um, the coaching carousel is a hard one to figure out. Um, but, you know, like Paul Maurice, I don't think he's available because I think the reason he's not coaching in Winnipeg because he doesn't want to coach anymore. Um, yeah. So I would, I would scratch him. But you're right. I mean, you know, people are going to – because of the Kenny Holland connection with Mike Babcock in Edmonton and the fact the Oilers were struggling before, before Chris, before they got shut down there, you know, people will wonder, you know, if, if, and I, and I'm, and I, again, I say this as the hockey outsider, because trust me, I've spoken to not a soul about inside stuff in hockey or anything else. This is just a totally uninformed opinion. Um, I just feel like most of the people on Twitter now, I, 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 no, no knowledge whatsoever. You just shoot your mouth off. And, and, and yet that's dangerous for me because before people would, you know, I, I always, people wonder why I didn't give more opinions. And part of the reason I didn't give more opinions is because my opinion wouldn't, didn't translate to an opinion. They, people thought, well, Bob McKenzie said it, he must know that this is happening. Right. So, you know, so I'm just a fan saying, yeah, the Oilers were in trouble before Christmas. I don't think Kenny Holland has any intention of getting rid of Dave Tippett. But if a coaching change had to be made, you know, could I see Mike Babcock and you know being a, a candidate there? Yeah, I could see that. So, in, in answer to your question, and I don't know what will what will become of Joel Quenville after um, he, he lost his job for all intents and purposes. Um, you know, so and, and Claude Julian's out there, and and again, it, it raises the issue too. Are you? Just, these guys were all really, really, really good coaches in various times of their career, but they also fell on hard times in different organizations and different circumstances. So then the question is begged: Are you know the the NHL often gets criticized because they keep recycling these guys? Well, are they getting recycled because they're really good? Are they getting recycled because general managers need to start thinking more outside the box and that there should be a younger a younger Mike Babcock or a younger Joel Quenville or a, a younger Claude Julian out there that isn't instantly recognizable to people, but as a general manager, do your due diligence and go out and find out who that guy is and and right. and not constantly go to the recycle bin. But every general manager's got to do what he thinks is best for your, or his organization and and we'll see where teams are at at the end of the year and, and what goes on as far as the, the the amount of churn we get in the off season with coaches. Does Bob McKenzie's family have uh, one big Christmas family tradition? Yeah, I basically pack up and leave and say goodbye to everybody and say, have a nice Christmas without me. <laughs> <laughs> 
Merry Christmas. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> but it, 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 I don't want to sound too cynical, Wally, but you know the drill. You've, you've done it a lot of years. Yeah. It's, it's hard. You know? And for all those people that, that were, do the World Juniors for TSN, uh, they all, and I'm, uh, you know, I'm, I'm flying out day, you know, mid to late afternoon. You know, there's probably 50 plus people that, that got out to Edmonton a week, 10 days earlier than that to all the camera people and the tech people mm-hmm. and everything else. And, and all those people, they, they sacrifice their family Christmas all the time. So it's uh, whatever, but you know, and it was fun when the, when the kids were younger, I, I can remember when the Griswolds, I mean, the Mackenzie's went to Yavla, Sweden in 1993. I think uh, <laughs> Sean would have been three years old. Uh, Mike would have been six, five, six years old. And uh, my wife, Cindy and I, we, we did the uh, pack up the family. We're going on December 22nd to Sweden through Frankfurt, overnight flight, five hour layover, you know, two hour <laughs> Volvo drive from oh. Stockholm to Yavla, uh, little tiny hotel rooms, crib, whatever, yada, yada. <laughs> it's all fun. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But we actually, it is now. There's a lot of, a lot of really great, World Junior memories around Christmas. The number of times I took my son Mike. Number of times Sean said he wanted to stay home with his mom. Um, it was uh, <laughs> it was all good, but uh, it, it's uh, it's a great tradition and it's a great tournament. And I I cynically joke about um, Christmas, but it's it's harder to have a, a nice family Christmas when you're always working it. I totally agree. Uh, and so you look back and you try to I guess make the most of it with the traditions you do have and so bob um we wish you another good christmas i don't know how much you're going to get to spend the time uh with your family this year but eventually it'll all settle down for you i'm sure uh, if you ever fully retire <laughs> not just semi-retire um congrats on the launch of the bobby margarita we wish you all the best and success with that we will patiently wait as we beg for free stuff to be delivered to our house all right i appreciate having more than three songs i got to play some of the greatest hits <laughs> And uh, I, I felt like sort of a Brian five or six warm up act for Juice. So I hope you have uh, a real good run with uh, with him. Thanks. Bob. We will pass on your uh, your wishes for Juice and see how this all plays out in the next thirty minutes. <laughs> Thanks, Bob. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Have a great one. Merry Christmas. All the best. Merry Christmas. Same to you. There goes Bob McKenzie, uh, the Bob Father, and Bobby Margarita. I always appreciate the time he gives us. Uh, He's, he's, I, I wish I had more time to just to talk a about Bob and the stories he's got in his back pocket because there's just so many fun things about a whether it's traveling or just interactions with certain people throughout the NHL. I know him and I think him and Glenn Sather mixed it up one time or or at least had discussions one time. But I gotta get the full story on them anyway. Um, it's always good to have him around. Agreed. What are you yeah, doing? And, and I liked I liked his take. Oh, it's my notes. Um, I loved his take about. Uh, <laughs> About Shabbat, I, I, I didn't say much. I just wanted to hear him. I didn't want to cut into the Bob Father. Yeah. I wanted people to hear the Bob Father and not the nonsense that comes out of my mouth. But um, <laughs> it, it was a very fair It was a very fair and balanced sort of assessment, right? I mean, I think we can all yeah. agree that Juice is terrific. And I, I mean, I, this, the, the, the humor that he brings, the way he can chirp guys on the panel and the men and women, I should say, on the panel. He's terrific at that. He's very yeah. knowledgeable. Um, but it was one period, right? And... And Shabby didn't have a good period. It was a bad period. But that's and, and and we're talking about a panel of people that don't particularly cover 
the Ottawa Senators on a day-to-day, obviously, from game to game. So yep. in that sample size, that's what Juice saw. And, and, and look what it did. Everyone was talking about it, right? So whether he's right or wrong, it's mission accomplished for Kevin Bieksa in that play. And I'm not suggesting that he's just looking for attention. We're going to grill him on that. But, but that's entertainment. And it got everybody up in arms and talking about it. I, I completely agree. And so, you know how I love to make up headlines? And so this headline, I thought it was genius. <laughs> I called him Kevin Spacey. Uh, brought to you by BEI, Bonisher Excavating, Inc. Go to BonisherExcavating.com. Uh, they are uh, helping oh, to God, the Valley. Oh, there he is. <laughs> so, uh, season's greetings. Uh, Juice, how are you? I'm, I'm great, guys. Thanks for having me. We... Uh, we were talking, Wally and I were texting yesterday, and we were kind of going back and forth a little bit. And then I'm like, you know what? Why don't I just come on your show tomorrow? And why don't we just have a little bit of a talk here? Because I feel like, while I'm not a guy who really apologizes for what I say about hockey, right? Like, I, I make mistakes in life, and I apologize when I say stupid stuff, which I do often. But for hockey, like, usually stand by what I say. But I feel like... Like, first of all, on Saturday night, Elliot Freeman's reading me all the comments directed towards me, and they're <laughs> fucking hilarious, right, by Sens fans. And it shows the passion of the team. And he's literally, because I was working remote, he's literally sending me, like, clip art over and over again of what the fans are saying. And, and you know, props to, to the Sens fans, because there's some good chirps and some good digs. And I, I, get, I dish it out, so I can definitely take it. But yeah. I just felt like it was important for me, and I was just listening to Meth, what you were saying about Shabbat, to give a little bit of context about what I said. Well, I'm not apologizing. I want to give some context because I think it deserves it. First can, of all, I'm not wait. a negative. Can, neg- I, can, I throw yeah. up, can I throw up the quote? Here's, I want to read the quote because this is what's got people wound up. A, first you said, quote, I don't, like I don't watch all their games, but then it went on to say, uh, this is all within 72 seconds, by the way. I mean, this is your guy. Yep who's your star player. He's making six mistakes that I recorded that I documented in one period, but you have Bernard Docker who's playing in his eighth NHL game and he's watching this guy. And I just can't understand how you can either be the best player on the ice or the worst player on the ice every game. And if I'm a coach, I don't sleep very good at night. Now, it seemed that it was a little excessive. Okay, looking at that quote right now, let's break it down. The, the one thing that I don't like about that quote, looking back at it now, is the comments about Bernard Docker, because that's insinuating that Shabbat plays like this all the time. So I want to eliminate that right now, and I'll apologize for that reference. But what I'll say is the first part of it. I don't watch a lot of Sens games because I'm on the ice five times a week. I coach hockey. I live in California, so I usually watch the Ducks or the Kings when I do watch hockey, or the Carolina Hurricanes, because that's my son's favorite team. So, and he watches every game, I'll grab a period. That being said, I watch Senators' periods, tidbits. I've seen Shabbat over the years. I know we got 14 goals in 2018-19. I know we got six the last two years. I'm very familiar with his game. It's not like I have no knowledge about the Ottawa Senators and Shabbat. I'm a huge Brady Tachuk fan. I don't think I could ever even say a bad word about that kid. He's a stud. But um, the Bernard Docker part of that was probably a little unfair. But... To my, to my point, what I was saying was it wasn't a generalization of Shabbat's career, who he is as a person, his season. I was sitting there, and I was super attentive to the game because it was our only game we had that night because of the Leaf Canuck game was canceled. So all my attention is watching the Ottawa Senators, who have won five of their last seven, 
the Philadelphia Flyers who have got points in seven of their last eight games. I'm like, okay, like, let's see what we got here. We got two pretty good teams. I'm sitting there. I'm impartial. I'm indifferent. Another quick thing is I don't cheer for anyone, guys. I don't cheer for anyone. I don't care who wins. I just love hockey. I cheer for my friends. I cheer for Corey Perry, Andrew Cogliano, right. Mark Chipman, the owner of the Jets, you know, Cam Fowler, John Gibson. I cheer for my friends, but I don't cheer for the Leafs, the Canucks, the, the, the Flames, the Senators, the Oilers. Regardless of what people think out there, I don't care who wins. I just like good hockey. So I'm watching this game, pretty impartial. And the first shift of the game, if you remember, Shabbat tries to hold the line. Yeah. Thought it was a little bit risky for the first shift of the game. Puck jumps by him, two on the other way, puck only goes, almost goes in the net. So I'm sitting there watching, I'm like, ooh, tough start, but it's Shabbat. Guy plays 27 minutes a night on average. Can't expect him to be perfect all game. And then the next shift, he falls down. I'm like, okay, still give him the benefit of the doubt. Like, maybe he lost an edge, he'll, he'll switch that. Then the next shift, he doesn't box the guy out, and the Philly player almost tips the puck in the net. I'm like, ooh, that's him. Then he ices the puck twice in a row for no reason. Then he tips the puck in his own net. Then Giroud dances him. So you see what I'm saying here? So, like, I'm watching this, yep. and I have nothing against anybody. And I'm like, wow, like, that's a lot of mistakes. So much where, like, I have to kind of mention this. But keeping in mind, I know what it's like to be a player. I'm not that far removed. I, I don't like negative stuff about me in the media. So I'm kind of, like, reluctant. Should I say something, like, about Shabbat's play? It was just so, like – evident that I felt like I had to but maybe didn't give enough context where I'm, I don't think he's a bad player I don't think he kicks dogs and elevators like I don't think he's a terrible person I just think he had a bad period so who, so who yeah. cares he, did. he was a little bit better in the second he was really good in the third period and then he was okay in overtime so that's just my honest critique as a hockey person I don't I don't think he's a bad guy so like pump the brakes Sens fans like your guys aren't always going to play perfect that's hockey, right? Yeah, and 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 to your so, point, I think people forget that you only have like forty seconds to like get your point across on any given point in general. So you don't have enough time to fluff the guy up, you know, and then and then add your your criticism, like you're critiquing what you're watching. That's why I didn't say anything. A lot of people reached out, were like, "Oh, you know, Kevin was really negative, and you got to get him, you got to do this and that." I'm like, I don't really disagree. He had a he had a horseshit period. It doesn't mean that he's a bad player. Just in that particular period, he didn't look good. And you guys know it's so one like of that the... thing where if somebody somebody says five positive things to you and one negative, you only hear the negative thing, right? Well, in this yes. case, I didn't even get a chance to say the five positives. So <laughs> I can understand I can understand Sens fans' perspective, which is why yeah. I wanted to come on your show because I know that you're the biggest Ottawa Senators show out there and all the fans listen and kind of give a little bit of context to it, right? Like, he's in the the Team Canada Olympic roster conversation if they go. The guy's a pretty good player. The last part of that quote, guys, I'll say, and, Meth, you played with Carlson and Spezza in his prime, I believe. I played with the Sedins and Luongo. Those guys are considered bona fide all-stars. And because yep. when the Sedins were at their top, they were better than everybody. But when the Sedins were off and they weren't playing very good, they were still better than most people. So the one comment about Shabbat, while his top is better than everybody, his bad can't be that bad. That's just another comment I was trying to make, right? So, okay, let me get to that point then. Because um, I think maybe you, if there's a word changed, it's different in this quote. I just can't understand how either how you can either be the best player on the ice or the worst player on the ice every game. And if I'm a coach, I don't sleep very good at night. So 
I'm assuming you don't mean, okay. like mean that Thomas Shabbat is either really good every game or horseshit every other game is, is what I'm trying to get at. Is it yeah, a I guess I mean, I didn't really mean it. That's more like, I, I think that part of the quote was more like a generalization. Like I wasn't talking about just him, right? But, but he was the worst right. player on the ice in that period. And then in the third, he was the best player on both teams. So if I'm a coach, yeah, like that's a tough, that's tough when you're like, oh crap, like am I going to get the best version or the worst version? And not just him, that's directed at anybody. That's, that's just the consistency battle that every hockey player battles. And we're talking about a guy now who's at the top level, who's the clear cut number one. I still don't like that reference to the Bernard Docker. That was, that's my bad because that's the only part of this quote that insinuates that he's been doing this consistently, which obviously he hasn't. And, and, and so, and by the way, we come from a political city where we're used to people talking to their asses all the time. So we're used to it. So it's okay, Kevin. Um, <laughs> I just, I was, um, I think Sens fans got upset because you threw in, I don't watch all their games and then proceeded to say things about their favorite player or one of their favorite players or their best D-man. And so as every fan base is, they're defensive, right? And they wanted to fire back at yep. you because they could perceive you to be in Toronto or in Vancouver or whatever. Um, and so they're a little sensitive about that sometimes. And part of me and Matt, Matt has hung out with me a little bit. Like I'm also like, I'm a bit of a shit. Like I, I like saying things sometimes and like getting re reactions out of people, you know, like I'm a little combative and confrontational, but what I'm not, and I'll stand by, I'm not a guy who tries to make people feel bad intentionally. So I'm definitely not trying to yep. make Thomas Shabbat, not that he cares about what some 40 year old two way stud defenseman that's retired thinks, but, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but by no means, no means am I, coming at Thomas Shabbat. I think he's a great player. He's yeah. 24 years old. I think he's a, yeah. got a great future ahead of him. So let's let's just make sure that we put that into perspective. Yeah, and that's what makes you really okay, good at your job, Juice. You know what I mean? That you're not afraid to air out an opinion. And obviously not all of them are going to appease everybody out there watching. So I think no. the fact alone that you came on here and was able to address some of it is going to put a lot of people at ease. And I'm sure you're going to get a, a plenty, uh, plenty of really positive comments and feedback following this interview. Well, like, I'm, I'm certainly not looking for any new friends. Like, I can't even handle the ones I have. But what I do want, the only thing that I don't like is is being misrepresented or misunderstood. Sure. So I just wanted to come on your show and just kind of clear, yeah. clear the air of why. And listen, you don't have to agree with what I say. Like, I, I see the game a certain way based on how I came up, the coaches I had. Like, we're all tailored by our own knowledge and experience. So that's the way I saw the first period. But it's it was yeah. I'm talking about one period. So uh, take it for what it's worth. If you don't agree with me, I don't care. But uh, I just wanted to give a little context. You got a great great player there. I really like uh, Brady to talk. Like I said, I think that kid's a stud. And and I know there's talk about oh I should tell him to like tone her down. He doesn't need to be fighting every game. I'm like I think this kid's a leader. And the fighting and the never backing down from anyone. That's a culture guy. That's gonna everyone's gonna jump on board and follow him. Hundred percent. Uh, Juice, you're, you're a defenseman, like over 800 games, if I'm not mistaken. Um, he played 35-39 that night in Philadelphia. Thomas Shabbat did. Like, is this just an excessive use of defenseman in a hockey game? Like, it just seen, and you saw in the overtime, I believe his over his turnover leads to the goal. Like, is he playing too much hockey? 
Is even 27 too much hockey? Well, well, I, I had this, this battle my whole career when GMs were telling me, you're playing too much, you're playing too much. And I played, I had an injury one year and I came back and we played in Chicago my first game back. And Chicago's a tough, tough building to play in. It's a tough team. It was like in their prime. And I played 33 mm-hmm. minutes in regulation. My first game back from injury. And I went back and watched my film and I made a lot of mistakes. And I was thinking, I'm not making that mistake if I'm playing 22 minutes. I'm not making that mistake if I play 24. So you're putting him in a really tough spot because he probably doesn't just rim that puck around in overtime if he's a little bit fresher, but he's got no energy. He's like, I I just got to get rid of this puck and hopefully it gets out. So it is what it is though. Like, is there anybody who can take some minutes off of him? There's some injuries with Zaitsev. He's in a tough situation, but certainly you're not setting him up for success playing him 35 minutes a night. That's ridiculous. Would he be on your Olympic team? On your show, oh, yes. Oh, oh. <laughs> I was going to say, <laughs> careful, careful. <laughs> but you know what? I would have I would have Darnell Nurse on there as well for me just because of his style. And I know some people don't have Nurse on. I mean, you, you have so many great defensemen to choose from. Uh, but yeah. I would have, I would probably have Shabbat and Nurse on, on the left side, and uh, I mean, again, a lot of good options on the right. Mm-hmm. Uh, would you like to use the? Uh, you texted me a chirp about Meth's game and Shabbat's game uh, relating the two. Would you like me to read it? Or... <laughs> Why? Why Go are ahead. you guys doing this? <laughs> Shabbat's first period looked like Meth when he played for Seabus. <laughs> <laughs> So originally, if I, I was I that bad, going to make it to your... <laughs> no, but you were you were a stud in, in Ottawa, and you basically allowed you were for Eric Carlson what Chris Tanev was for Quinn Hughes. So that's that's a pretty big compliment, I think. Thank you, thank you. That's the uh, last compliment go, you'll get from uh, me. <laughs> uh, Juice, will you promise? Uh, are you on set for? For Saturday night's game, are you in Toronto? Are you where are you for this weekend's game? Oh, I guess there won't be any. The next I'm, time you're in Anaheim, no, yeah. can you can you put a picture of Shabbat in the background? This is what this is all we want is just a picture of Thomas Shabbat. There's... So so I'm in Grimsby, Ontario, right now for the holidays. There's like you said, there's no uh, hockey night in Canada this Saturday because it falls on Christmas. So our next uh, show is January 1st. I'll be in studio unless things change. But the next time I'm at home, remote, we're already setting up my studio. There'll be some, uh, there'll be something. Just stay tuned. There'll be something, Sense fans. Like, relax, okay? Remember, indifferent, impartial. Don't care about anyone. Just call me like it is. There'll be, there'll be a lot of good stuff in the future. Uh, Juice, we appreciate you coming on. I, like, I, I know there was a lot of heat on you and you came in and to, to let us grill you a bit. So I, I, I know you're a good dude. So. Um, we hope to have you back on again to talk about more things you might say on the air. Well, I'm not a good dude, but I appreciate you having me on. Happy holidays, guys. <laughs> See you, Juice. Merry Christmas, uh, Kevin. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks. There goes Kevin Bieksa uh, coming in to talk about uh, his comments. And uh, he did apologize um, for some of it, but he did, you know, like, I, Matt, I agree. Like, Thomas Shabbat had a bad period. It was just some of the stuff surrounding it. That got fans yeah. riled up. So well, good for Kevin to so he had uh, a, his face to me. Yeah, he, he had a bad period. And you just so happen to have a guy like Kevin Bieksa on the panel who is very much 
transparent and unapologetic. So he's going to voice his opinion and he did. And I love it. I I love all of this. I love that he came on. I love that the fans got riled up. I love the sense fans, how passionate they are in defending their, um, uh, their stud defenseman here in Ottawa. So I, I, I love all of it. It's great. It's good content. And um, the fact that Juice was able to come on, though, and address some of those comments, clarify some of that stuff. And I like that he retracted the Bernard Docker thing. I mean, I, I get that. Yeah. Um, and yeah, there's not much else to say. I, I couldn't even really challenge him on anything because I agree with everything he's saying. So it's uh, well, it's refreshing, and I'm hoping it settles things for now at least. It would almost be that, like, if you were to go on Twitter and say the Sens will be better than the Leafs in a couple of years and it won't even be close. Yeah, yeah, but you know what I mean? It's like, it's a hot take, um, but there is some truth to it, right? But, but I also know what I'm doing. I also know that I'm going to provoke um, some of the other fan base when I'm posting something like that. And it's like anything yeah. on there, right? It's like it's opinion and you can agree with it or not. That's fine. I'm like, in many ways, I'm similar to Juice in that I don't, I don't care. Like you, as long as I'm not offending anybody personally, I'm just stating an opinion. You can agree or not. You know, I may not like your, your team captain, but I'm still going to be critical if he's not playing well. So uh, it's just the way it is. Yeah. Let's talk about Thomas Shabbat now um, briefly, if we can. And that's just his ice time math. So uh, yeah, I wanted to talk about his career hot. His career high, by the way, is 37.50 in a regular season game. And it was yeah. almost exactly two years to the date. It was December 17th, 2019 at Tampa. This was December 18th, 2021 at Philadelphia. He played 35-39 against Philadelphia. Both, by the way, 4-3 overtime losses. Um, five games this year, Shabbat has played 30 or plus minutes. The team record, 0-4-1. Does that, yeah. is the record translate into him playing too much hockey or am I just pulling out a number as a stat because they've only won nine games anyway? I mean, it's it's okay. Well, that, that's hard to argue with. And and for me, it's pretty simple. Forgetting about all the numbers, you look at the player and you look at how effective he is. And, and, and this is something I can relate to when I played. If I ever hovered over 23 minutes being a 230-pound physical defenseman, I felt it. When I got to that 24, even 23 sometimes, but 24, 25 minute mark, depending on the type of game that was happening and maybe uh, we had an injury, so I had to play a little more. Yeah, okay, like mentally you you feel engaged because you're always kind of coming off knowing you're going right back out on the ice, but you're so prone to making mistakes. And, and your game has to tailor to that ice time a little bit, Wally, right? So you mentioned that. I won't go on a yep. long rant. I'll keep it short and simple. For example, you know, if you're Thomas Shabbat, and you're fresh and you've only played 22 minutes at this point with five minutes left to go in the game or whatever, a reasonable number. You know that if he's going to get that puck along the wall, he's going to be pretty sharp. He's going to have the the mind to make a quick decision and he's going to be pretty crisp with it. But when you start to get very fatigued out there, like anything you do in life, not just hockey, you get a little sloppier. You're not as sharp. It doesn't matter if you're an elite athlete. It applies to everybody. Uh, so... I, we were knocking on this last year, Wally, when you and I were talking about it on, on the podcast. I still maintain this. I'm not going to waver on it. That's too much ice time. I don't care if you don't have any other options. I don't like that excuse. Well, let's divert it to this, you know, because so-and-so got hurt. Listen, are you making a push for the postseason right now? You're probably not. You need to protect your mm-hmm. asset. And this isn't just about injury. You're doing them a disservice. You're going to have to play the rest of the guys. Trust them. 
And if they don't do the job, so be it. But it's the NHL. These are all competent players. These are players that are playing at the highest level possible. They need to be able to make plays. And, I mean, we're seeing it. I mean, guys, like, even guys like D Dylan Hetherington, I thought he's been great lately. He's a third-line player. He could probably play closer to 20 minutes and be okay. Um, now, if you're making a push with 10 games to go in the regular season and you're desperate for that, that last playoff spot, I get it. Play Thomas Shabbat 35 minutes. You have no choice. I'll leave it at that. Okay, here. All right, I'm going to throw this out there. When you're an NHL head coach, you your job is to win hockey games at all costs. 100%. And so I'm wondering if because, because they're down, and so I meant to point this out earlier, Thomas Shabbat will play more minutes when the team is trailing than when the team is winning because they want him out there to defend, right? Yeah. So when, yeah. when they had their two big wins against Florida and Tampa, he played like 20 minutes a night because it was an 8-2 and a 4 nothing game. So because yeah. the team is trailing, he plays more. So I get that the record will obviously be on the – the worst side of the losing side. But at some point, it has to pay a – like, there has to be a price paid for the toll on the player himself. Would that oh, not be fair? Like, you've got to somehow 100%. try to take care of the asset. Uh, I understand you need to win games, but down the road, is it yeah. worth it to win one or two extra games? And I, I don't know the answer, but this to me is on DJ uh, for playing him too much. But we've seen this with other coaches. You know, Eric Carlson played – uh, by the way, I did look it up. So Thomas Shabbat has played a 282 career games. This is his 22nd career game with 30 or plus minutes. Eric Carlson, at this point in his career, 282 games in, played uh, 25 games, uh, 30 plus minutes. So what is it with trying to run these guys, I mean, into the ground, for lack of a better term, to, to get these victories? Well, with Eric I guess Carlson. I guess answer my own question. Yeah, you kind of did, but that's okay. I, I'll add my two cents. With Eric Carlson, I mean, he was a Norris Trophy winner, right? So, and we were on some fairly competitive teams at the time, right? We're always yeah. on a, not always, I shouldn't say always, but for three of my five years there, we made the playoffs. We were always making a push, whether we were clear cut in it or just sitting outside trying to get in it. So that would excuse these conversations or rather, it would excuse the fact that you were playing him a ton of minutes in a game, right? I, and Eric, quite frankly, wanted to be out there. I know Thomas Shabbat probably wants to be out there. Eric could handle it. Uh, he really could. And he had players around him. Like, I was there to support him, and we had some really good defensive forwards as well, so that when Eric was playing his run-and-gun, riverboat, gambler-style st play, late in a game to get a lead back, you know, he could get away with it a little bit more. But right now, we're talking yeah. about a team that's at the bottom of the pack, right? He doesn't have the support... That Eric Carlson had. So that's an adjustment that, that Bob McKenzie touched on earlier when we had that discussion with him. He doesn't have the supporting the support staff right now. They've been playing great hockey. I am full on acknowledging that. Nobody can take that away from this team, uh, especially in December. But I, I still think, Wally, it's too much. I don't know what the answer is because you answered the question for me there when you mentioned DJ yeah. just wants to win games, right? Coaches want to win. And that's their job. And they're going to do everything in their power to do so. So I don't know if you're, you know, Pierre has to say something to him to tell him to dial it back or what. Maybe they don't view it as a problem. And maybe we are just no, no. going, you know, ga putting gas on the fire right now that isn't really an issue. I, I don't know. But I think being a former player, you're playing 30 plus minutes every odd game. That's a lot. By the way, Pierre Dorian needs to win games too. So he's not going into coach's office to tell him to not play him as much either. Right? Good point. Um, Good point. By the way, I did, I did look up your career highs in ice time. And the most you ever played was 34-21 on May 19th, 2013 at Pittsburgh. Double overtime win, Colin Greening. Oh, okay. 
I didn't know I played that much. Okay. All right. Well, yeah, but that's different. And then two, you're, like what would regular most, a regular sixty minute game would be? Do you, do you have that? Funny you ask that. I uh, not <laughs> so I have the most you played in the regular season is twenty nine twelve on February twelfth okay. two thousand fifteen against Pittsburgh again, but it was a shootout loss. So you did have an extra five minutes there of ice time. Um, oh, I'm sure I didn't play a lot, a lot in the OT, ice. but yeah, it's still a lot of ice. Yeah. Well, I yeah. I mean, I don't remember those games, but. I'm sure I was very fatigued after. And if I had to play the next night, <laughs> I don't know that I would have been able to. Yeah. So, but that's besides the point. I think we, we all know how we feel on this. I think collectively, most fans would agree with everything we're saying with regards to Thomas Shabbat. You just don't want to burn your all-star down into the ground. And, and, and you're worried that this could create those long-term bad habits that you slowly develop when you're always playing tired, right? And it, be, it just kind of starts to creep into your game. I don't know that that'll happen but it's a concern and it's potentially it's there, right? I mean, when you're constantly playing fatigued in those third periods, you know, you start to lean on those bad habits. They become normal. So we'll see. Uh, by the way, uh, for those following on live in our chat and online on YouTube, you can see uh, we've put up a graphic of Thomas Shabbat ranks fourth all time right now in sends in history uh, in points, 282 games, 167 oh, wow. points, puts them behind Carlson, Redden, Chris Phillips. So, uh, Good and company. there it is. So Thomas Shabbat has, I mean, look at how few games. I know he's he's a hundred and some points behind Chris Phillips, but he's also played like eight hundred fewer games, so or seven hundred, whatever it is. Anyway, uh, Thomas Shabbat has been elite. There's no question. We would put him on the Olympic team, but it may not be. It would probably be a mute point at this point because I don't think they're going to the Olympics right now either. Uh, yeah. One quick note about the Sens, by the way. Uh, I know they're off at least until after the Christmas break. The two games canceled. Davis Payne. Uh, has tested positive or he's he's in the COVID protocol. I just saw uh, before we came on that he placed Davis Payne in the NHL's COVID protocol. So we don't know if there's going to be more cases because I think it's been a couple of days since they've been around each other. I guess they're coming back from Philadelphia. We'll see how that plays out. Um, we do have one more interview. I guess we'll call it two, if you will. Uh, before Kevin Bexa threw everything out of schedule, we had it lined up that Bob McKenzie going to come on and talk about the World Juniors, and then we're going to talk about the World Juniors, and then we're going to throw to a couple of kids playing at the World Juniors. But instead, Juice messed it all up. So here now, uh, we talked to earlier this week, uh, Mason McTavish. Uh, I set up an interview with him, and then all of a sudden, uh, his roommate, Connor Bedard, is in the room. And I said, well, let's have a chat with Connor. So here now, uh, Mason McTavish and special guest appearance, 16-year-old Connor Bedard. <laughs> Uh, Connor, how are you, sir? <laughs> I'm good. How are you? Good. Now, I just saw a tweet from Mark Masters. I'm going to, you've probably seen the quote, but it says uh, McTavish and Bedard roomed together at the World U18s and roommates again on the World Junior team. Shane Wright, quote, Mace is like a big brother to Betsy. It's pretty fun to watch. Is he your big brother? I, I don't know. I, I wouldn't want him to be, but unfortunately, I've got stuck with him in a room a couple times. But no, I don't know. I mean, it's uh, I was U18, it was, it was good, and uh, you know, we have a lot of fun together. So, has Mason taught you anything that you shouldn't know? <laughs> uh, <laughs> I don't know, maybe some stuff that I wouldn't say, but uh, no, I mean, he's been good. Obviously, he's, he's played, played the show, and uh, you know, he's, he's very experienced. With, just hockey Canada or hockey in general. So he's uh, he's definitely talking about this stuff. Uh, I don't want to take your time. I appreciate you stopping by, Connor. Good luck this year. Uh, I know it must be exciting being a 16-year-old to be playing World Juniors. The last, the very first training camp I ever did for World Juniors was Jason Spezza and Jay Bomeister. 
uh, one says how old I am, but two, I appreciate being a 16 year old to make that team. So congrats. Yeah. Thank you very much. Okay. Mason, I, I, he hijacked your interview. I can imagine how this is going to go. Um, so for you, I guess, what's it been like to a, be named to the world junior team? I mean, things have gone so well for you from uh, U18s to being selected third overall by Anaheim and, and winning gold, obviously, the U like everything seems to be going pretty good. So is this just another uh, piece along the way? Uh, I mean, yeah, no, it's definitely, you know, an honor to, you know, represent your country. Um, you know, it's something my family has always kind of watched during Christmas. So, you know, to be able to, you know, play in those games with my family and, you know, obviously a bunch of other families and, and people around Canada and even across the world are going to be watching. It's, it's definitely pretty special. Do you have a world junior moment that you can remember that sticks out for you? Uh, probably, uh, Betsy was doing an interview and he said the Steenbergen goal. I thought that was, that's probably mine too. Uh, a little like, you know, it was, what was it? 2018 or something three years ago or four years ago or whatever. Um, uh, so that's something I really, uh, really remember. I thought that was a really special moment. Uh, is it a bit surreal to get the knock on the door to get told you made the team? Yeah, it definitely was. You know, you, uh, you just see, like, as I said, you know, growing up, you know, that's kind of how they did it. I think when, uh, I'm not sure I saw a video. I think it was in when they were in check. That's how they did it. And I saw like the videos. It's pretty cool. And then for them to do that to me, that's uh, definitely really special. Okay. I want to go back to your year that you started in Anaheim. Uh, seems pretty simple. You step on the ice. I think it's your second shift. You score a goal, your first shot in the NHL ends up being the game winning goal. Like no big deal, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I guess so. It's definitely nice the way it worked out, but uh, yeah, definitely, uh, definitely one I won't forget. So take me through that moment, did, is, or do you remember it? I, some people talk about they just black out and don't remember. Do you remember that moment? Yeah, no, I definitely do remember it. It was, uh, you know, obviously your first NHL goal. Um, you know, I saw the, I saw it going posted, and then the ref kind of was like waving it off. So I was like, wasn't too sure, but uh, I kind of got to the bench and I was just hoping it would count. And then uh, obviously the refs, you know, made their call and obviously counted. So it was definitely a, a really cool moment. Uh, again, no big deal that you beat a Vesna Trophy winner and Connor Hellebuck for the goal. Yeah, that's that's another point. Uh, yeah, no, it's. I mean, it doesn't really matter. I mean, who it is against, but definitely, definitely pretty cool that uh, you know it was on Hellebuck. But um, yeah, definitely one I won't forget. Uh, youngest player in Ducks history to score a goal at 18 years old. Now you got hurt. I know you missed five games. You got sent down. You came back up. Did you? You've only played the nine games in the NHL, the standard before the the contract kicks in, were you uh, told beforehand or did you hope that you were going to stick around? Did you know you were only playing nine? Uh, no, I didn't. I didn't know uh, what their plan was. And I was hoping I could, you know, stick there the whole uh, whole season. But, you know, obviously they made their, their choice and they wanted me to, you know, play more minutes and play down the middle. So, um, you know, it definitely sucked for, you know, when they told me the news. But, uh, you know, obviously it's, uh, it's, it's their decision. And, you know, I'm just going back to, to Peterborough and, you know, do the best I can. What's NHL life like in your nine games? It was it was great. You know, I really enjoyed my time there down in, in California too. I think it only it only rained about like four or five times when I was down there. I, it came down in August, so um, and then when I came back, it was like snowing and freezing. So uh, <laughs> definitely a little lifestyle change there. But uh, no, it was I really enjoyed my time there. You seem like a like a California type kid. Is is Anaheim the right place for you? Are you going to take up surfing? 
Uh, yeah, no, I definitely love the sun. So, I mean, I, uh, I got to try it. Um, I think my, my dad and my brother did when they were down there and they said it was, it was pretty fun. Uh, they, they actually did decent at it, I think. So that was pretty impressive. I think it's, I think it's a lot harder than it looks, but, uh, I definitely got to try it. Uh, third overall, uh, when you were picked by the Anaheim Ducks in this year's draft, uh, did that come as a surprise? And the only reason I ask you that is, I talked to a guy that played in the NHL, a defenseman here that you know very well is in Ottawa. He goes, I think they're taking Mace third overall to Anaheim. And I'm like, really? Like, I knew you'd probably be top 10. Did you see yourself being a duck? Did you know that was coming? Uh, no, I, I didn't really know. I mean, it was definitely, uh, you know, a nice surprise. But uh, I kind of figured, it, I narrowed it down to about like three teams and Anaheim was, yeah. was one of them. So I thought I had a chance to go there, but. Um, yeah, no, it was, uh, it was, it was definitely, you know, really, really cool to have my name called that early and, you know, definitely a night I won't, uh, I won't forget. Uh, did you get your, did your family, were they able to make it to your first NHL game? They were, they were there. They're actually, uh, there's a picture when I like was celebrating my goal. They're actually in the background, like where the, where the fans are in the stands. So, uh, there's a pretty cool picture. I'm not sure if you've seen it, but, um, yeah, no, it was nice to, nice to have them there. That's such a cool memory and a moment to have. Um, where will that puck go? Obviously, everybody frames their first puck, or the team does. Will you give it to your dad, Dale, or will like stay with you? Uh, well, I actually still haven't gotten it. I think they're still like framing it and putting it in, like uh, like they're getting the score sheet and they're getting the puck and all that. But uh, yeah, I haven't really thought about what I'll do. I mean, maybe I'll give it to my my parents. I mean, obviously they you know help me. You know, they've given me the the chance to you know even even play hockey. So I mean, obviously it wouldn't happen without them. So. Um, yeah, I haven't really thought about it too much, but uh, yeah, I'll, I'll have to see when I get it. I just got a text from John Tortorella wants me to ask, why is Trevor Zegras ruining the game? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I thought that was a pretty sick play. I mean, you know, obviously it inspired a lot of a lot of kids to, you know, you know, try that move. You saw it and like the next day everybody was trying it. Um, I thought it was a really, really sweet move. Probably the, probably the goal of the year um, anyway, but. Uh, I think, yeah, I know he does that stuff in practice all the time. It's, uh, you know, really nasty hands and, uh, you know, he's not, a, he's not afraid to try it. I know you're a guy that likes to be in front of the net and lumbering away at pucks and in, 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 uh, in tight. Will you ever try something like this? Uh, yeah, I mean, I'll definitely try it. I think, I mean, I'm not sure about the past, maybe it's the mission again, but, uh, you know, if the opportunity's there, I definitely, you know, see myself trying it. It, it, it. We make a big deal. Like, about people saying they shouldn't be doing this, but I just curious, like when you're playing in the, at that level in the National Hockey League, what do players around? Did you text Trevor and say you know, how great that goal was? Like, there's always like the uh, how dare you try to do something against the rules of the game or whatever. I love it. I think it's fun. It's entertaining. So, are all the players in support of Trevor doing that kind of stuff, or anybody for that matter? Yeah, I think so. I mean, you know, I texted him right away. I thought it was like nastiest goal I've ever seen. So, um, you know, I can't imagine any player would, you know, not say that. Maybe some, you know, you know, back in the, the old days, maybe they wouldn't, you know, really like that. But I think the game's definitely changed a lot. And, um, you know, like I said, he kind of inspired a lot of a lot of people to pick up, you know, sticks and, you know, play play hockey and try that move. So I thought that was really cool. And, you know, it's, uh, I think it was really good for the game. Yeah, my kid who's uh, 14, try, like I could see them next day at practice trying that. And you could see, I think there's some tweets today about the women's national team trying it as well. There's all kinds of guys and, and girls out there trying it. That's what I like about it. Grow the game. Um, would you ever, could, would you say to Trevor, like next time, hey, I'd like to be the guy on the receiving end of that play sometime. Do you guys ever talk about trying to set each other up for goals? 
Uh, I mean, yeah, I mean, I you know, wouldn't say no to a pass like that, but, uh, you know, just kind of like, like I said, just when the opportunity's there, I think it's just, it all depends on, you know, what, what the guy behind the net would really see, um, you know, as he had a lot of time there, they're just kind of playing, you know, not playing pretty passive and he had a lot of time. So he just kind of, you know, made a play and, uh, you know, Milano also obviously, you know, really nice, uh, nice bat in there too. So I think, uh, credit goes to Milano as well too. Uh, in Ottawa, we talk so much about the young players they have on this team and how exciting it is. It's got to be the same in Anaheim. You talk about Sonny Milano and Trevor Zegras and you. Like, there's a lot of players now that really make that Anaheim Ducks team look pretty exciting for the future. Uh, I, I know you'd agree, but has there been a lot of chatter about that? Um, I mean, yeah, I think, you know, just within the locker room a little bit. Yeah. But, I mean, you know, I'm sure the media is, is talking too. But, um, you know, I just don't really, really look at the media and stuff. And I find it's just, you know, just kind of a distraction sometimes. But, yeah. um, you know, I'm not I'm not too sure, um, you know, what the media is really saying down there. But I'm sure there's definitely a little bit of chatter about it. All right. You, then you get sent down to Peterborough, and it doesn't look like you spend much time moping because you score a hat trick in your first game back. What's the game like as you go back to junior compared to being – in the National Hockey League. Yeah, no, it's definitely a lot, a lot different. Uh, you know, the skill set within the, you know, each player is obviously a lot different, but, yeah. uh, you know, you just got to, you know, adapt to, you know, that kind of level. It's you know, a lot more time and, and speed, there's time and space, sorry, but, um, you know, it's definitely, uh, we, we got a solid team and I think, uh, you know, it's uh, a lot of young guys, but, um, you know, I think maybe later down the, the line, when we get some guys back from injuries, we could be pretty good. All right, let's switch to back to your world junior team and the excitement level. I mean, I can't imagine what it's like to play on that team. Calvin DeHaan, who's a good buddy of yours from CARP as well, played on the world junior team. Did you ever talk to him about uh, being on that team and I guess what to expect and the pressures that come with it, especially being with the tournament in Canada? Uh, yeah, no, we talk a lot. Uh, you know, we work out together and we, uh, we're, we're carpooling together, both from carp. So, um, you know, he talks to me a lot about that stuff and, you know, he's been, uh, he's been really great for me. Um, you know, just give me lots of tips. You know, he's played a, you know, a long career in the NHL and like you said, world juniors. So, you know, any advice from him, I definitely uh, soak up. I, I guess if you were to describe team Canada to me as a, someone who doesn't know anything about it, how would you describe this year's team Canada? What's the, identity do you know what it is yet uh i mean obviously everybody's you know super passionate about playing everybody's you know working really hard but um you know we've we haven't played a game well some guys have some guys haven't um i haven't played a game with them yet so i'm not too sure uh yet but i'm sure we'll you know you know identify it pretty fast and um you know once we do uh, i think it'll be a, a good one there's lots of teams you get to play against that are really good but there is no Russia or USA New Year's Eve game. Are you a little disappointed that you don't face one of those teams until the medal round? Uh, honestly, I didn't even look at that. So I'm not, <laughs> I wasn't too sure until you just said that. So um, no, honestly, I'm just, you know, super happy to be here and, um, you know, just, you know, lucky to, lucky to put on the sweater. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, is this the first time you've been away for Christmas? Uh, yeah, it actually would be. Yeah. So it's definitely going to be a little bit different, but, um, you know, I'm sure my, my family would approve of, you know, what I'm doing. Okay. I know Connor Bedard is your roommate and you know each other pretty well from the U18s and, and whatnot, but does anything he does surprise you being how young he is? Does he make you feel old? Uh, no, he doesn't really make me feel old. I think, uh, 
it makes me feel even younger almost just hanging around with them i just catch myself doing some some different stuff that i wouldn't normally do but um yeah no he's uh he's definitely you know takes care of his body really well for a young guy um you know not many you know even in when we were in texas you know not many 15 year olds are kind of devoting up their life just to play hockey. And, you know, he's uh, obviously a, a great player and, um, you know, probably going to be, uh, you know, a really high pick in his, in his draft. So, um, you know, I'm looking forward to see what uh, his career has for him. Can you get under his skin? Uh, yeah, probably. <laughs> uh, but, I mean, don't really do it too often. Obviously, we're teammates, but uh, sometimes in the room, we'll, we'll have some, some turf battles. Nothing crazy, though. Uh, what uh, do you guys play video games? Uh, we don't, we just we pretty much just watch basketball and we just pick a pick a team ping pong. Actually, we, he's oh. just saying now, uh, I pretty much beat him every time. Uh, in ping pong, he's he's working on his game though, he's come a long way, but he's still uh, he's still just not, not even close to me yet. Who's more competitive, you or him? Um, I'd probably say me, but I'm not sure. What do you think? Well, me. He's yeah. He said me too. So, uh, <laughs> who hates yeah, losing say, more? Me. I'd say me for sure. Uh, but yes. I don't really. I never lose to him. So uh, <laughs> maybe him. <yeah. laughs> um, do you know? By the way, there is one Ottawa Senator draft pick on there, Ridley Gregg. Do you know him at all? I don't think you've played with him at any point. No, I've uh, I've never played him. I just met him for the first time in the in the summer camp, I guess. And no, yeah, he's uh, he's a great player. He's, uh, you know. It's really, really, you know, gritty and, you know, really solid two-way and, you know, works really hard. So, um, you know, the Suns fans are definitely going to be happy with him. Uh, I, I don't want to take any more of your time. I just appreciate you stopping by. I know this is like an exciting time for you uh, and all the guys that are surrounding that team. Dave Cameron's a good friend of ours. We know he'll uh, lead you guys in the right direction. So, uh, Mason, all the best in this uh, holiday. We look forward to tuning in on the Boxing Day to watch your first game. Uh, congratulations and good luck. Awesome. Thank you. Appreciate it. And a special thank you to Connor Bedard and Mason McTavish for taking time out of their days in uh, Alberta as they get set to get ready for this tournament. As we know, Matt, there's been a delay. Uh, no exhibition games early on. Uh, they've been pushed back to at least, I think, the 23rd, 24th. And then we get set for Boxing Day and as Team Canada gets set to uh, take on the world at the World Juniors. Yeah, I'm pumped for the world. At least... <clears throat> At least there's going to be some world junior hockey. Uh, it's always exciting. So that's there's a bit of a silver lining here with, you know, in spite of everything yeah. that we're all going through. So there'll be some TV to watch, not just kids cartoons in my house. And I'm looking forward to that. <laughs> and by the way, it's been such a long show. And we're going to bring in Craig now that I have gone and got a whitewater. Uh, by the way, Farmer's Daughter, you can get them at the local LCBO or order it online at shopwhitewater.ca. But it is uh, well-deserved, I feel, today. Uh, Craig, hi, sir. Hey, yeah, I definitely well deserved. Meth, what was in that mug, by the way? White water in there, Coffee. or just taking no. it easy? Okay. <laughs> I have to skate. I got. I got to take my son skating. Uh, we're going to a public skate around. He's four now, so I got to teach him how to do this. I can't live with myself if the kid can't skate at five years old. So before we play hockey, I'm going to teach him how to skate. He's got to push that little tripod thing around on the ice, and that's at three thirty. So I'm looking forward to it. Got to teach him how to manage those minutes too, right? We can't get him up into those 23, 24s. Genetically, that's I don't right. think he has it, so that's good. No, that's good. no. Hopefully he doesn't have mine knees either. Okay, yeah. Um, I'm just curious, Matt, are you going to teach him to shoot right or left, or are you just going to let him decide? 
Good question. He is a natural, excuse me, he's a natural righty. So baseball, oh, okay. uh, even with a hockey stick, and I'm only really discovering this now. Like initially, you know, when you give a, like a three-year-old a stick, they just kind of whack it and it's, there's no real yep. uh, method to it. But yeah, he's 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 got a tendency now to kind of favor that right side. So I'm a lefty. If he's a righty, I'm going to I'm gonna push for that. I don't care what side he shoots as long as he's comfortable. Instant millionaire. If he can be a right shot, either forward or defenseman, they are such like they're like unicorns, as you like to say. Like, yes. I yes. if I'd have known, I would have taught my son at the beginning to shoot right. Like people do this, and I, <laughs> I didn't even know this. I would have done yeah. the same thing. Yeah, yeah. Craig? Well, we'll see. My my sons oh, are, your, your kids are one of each. No, but they're both they're both forwards. But uh, oh. one of them shoots left, one of them shoots right. So the the downside is is right like I can't they can't inherit each other's like sticks as they outgrow them. Yeah. So we're right. paying yeah. twice as much Ooh. for sticks. They don't t- they don't tell you that. Yeah. Stick, sticks sticks are not too bad. Kid sticks aren't too bad, but yeah, sticks are pricey these days. So you got to make sure you mm. figure it out. But yeah, he's he's yeah. a righty. He, he's a weird. I, he's I think he's ambidextrous. Not that we got to get into him too much, but he can he writes with his left hand, but he can do a lot of things with both. So nice. he just, I don't know, he golfs both ways. It's weird. weird. Kids are weird. That's the moral yeah. of the story. <laughs> yeah, yeah absolutely. that's so true. Yeah. Okay, we, well, we you know what? I'm telling you. Got a little trivia? <laughs> yeah, that was, boys, that took a lot out of us there. That was three, three and a half <laughs> guests, kind of, and one pre-recorded, yeah. and Bobby Margarita, nice. and then Kevin Bieksa coming in, arguing his case. The last thing we got to do here is just, you know, we got a trivia winner from... Uh, from our last show uh, with uh, Yarko. Uh, we got to hand that away. Um, so yeah, uh, from our dear friends at uh, Bonesaw Sosco, the question was, who were Rutu's line mates uh, that made up the century line? Uh, he named a few of them, but the old guys that he particularly mentioned, Dean McCammond and Sean Donovan. So the three of them, their ages at the time, collectively added up to over 100. And they were all, uh, they were out there just causing havoc. If you remember that line, they were uh, Donovan, one of the fastest guys in the world. Uh, Rutu wrote, Great a shithead and it was great so uh if you got that right you, uh, congrats to everyone who got it but the winner brad jones aka at maverick underscore zero one four zero on twitter you've scored yourself a bone sauce sauce co christmas prize pack thing um and if anybody else is out there looking to maybe order something there's the christmas prize packs right there uh you can use the code wham for 15 percent off your order from bone sauce they got tons of stuff they got sauces uh they got spice mix you can even see they got some kind of gummies and snacky dude it's great stuff there so head on over use the code wham get 15 percent <laughs> off your entire order from our dear friends at bonesaw sosco you know what i nice. i added up the ages of mccammond and uh rutu and sean donovan now it's 140 by the way so don't add ours sure. please let's not let's not start adding <laughs> up our ages maybe <laughs> yeah that's not gonna be a good that's not gonna be a good one <laughs> Anyway, yeah. uh, also pointing out, Meth, by the way, all the D, uh, I forgot about this and Alex brought it up, all the D on Team Canada this year at the World Juniors all shoot left. So again, Yeah, I saw I that. That's you, wild. Yeah. Yeah, interesting. So how tough is it to play the offside at a, not just a beer league level here, we're talking the top level of hockey. Are you asking him or if me? You have, if him, you have oh. your, if you're on your offside... <laughs> If you're on your offside and uh, you happen to be a more skilled defenseman, it's it's. I find it's actually easier to get that first couple those first couple steps in the neutral zone on D to Ds and stuff. It's much easier to jump up into the play. Where it becomes very challenging is in the D zone uh, on retrievals and stuff like that because you know you're obviously not 
looking up the wall with your with your stick on your forehand. So um, I don't know the players well enough. I'm going to have to watch some of the games. But if, if you've got more of a skilled guy playing his offside, it works. But when you're defending, it can be a little more challenging. So, but but you know what? At the end of the day, you got to go with the best players available for a small tournament like this. You can't just cater uh, a guy into that lineup because he's on his strong side. I mean, so quite frankly, it, to me, it doesn't matter. The guys are comfortable with it. It's all good. Uh, last question, Craig. And you got asked mm -hmm. in the chat, what is your take on Kevin BX's comments? Oh, I mean, it's grade A shit posting right there. Like that's. Per that's perfect right you have you have that on and i mean hey listen he clarified a few things there that i think were kind of contentious and live tv you say some things maybe you don't get to organize your thoughts perfectly the way you'd like Hundred um, percent. but yeah i mean it got garnered like matt said it garnered a reaction we're talking about kevin bx today on our yeah. show which we weren't really planning on to so it was good good for him good for everybody and i think it's uh if anything it probably shines a light on thomas shabbat that's more positive right like more people are out there defending him two people on our show today said they'd consider him for the Olympics, right? Like that's not a bad thing in the world. So uh, sometimes those panels and things, I know a lot of people wanted to talk about bias and those things. If we're going to talk about bias, it's just the Sens don't play a lot of those national games because they're a smaller market team and there's more money in understanding the complexities of the Toronto's and the Montreal's and the Edmonton's yes. probably of the world. Um, but that's okay. Yeah. Uh, so I, I'm, yeah, I'm going to take this. Yeah. You brought this up and people, and I saw it in the chat earlier about these whole Toronto bias. I'm going to tell you right now, TSN and Sportsnet care absolutely about the Leafs, and it's not because they love the players on the team. It's because they love the money that those two, that those, that that team generates. So a third of all of Canada or all the business is basically in Southern Ontario. It's in the Leaf market, so the Leaf region. So that's the one that generates all the revenue that pays for the TV station, basically. So that's why. So the Leafs have the biggest number of viewers. They get all the attention because they generate the most money. It's that simple. And then it goes. Vancouver and Montreal are kind of second. Then it's Calgary, Edmonton, Winnipeg, and Ottawa. And it's in that order. And that's how it gets served up. So we're like it or not, that's just how it is. It took me a while to figure that out and to really, mm -hmm. I was arguing it with TSN all the time. And my boss is like, this game is more important than the Leaf game. They're like, yeah, but the Leafs generate more revenue. So that's what it comes <laughs> down to. So all I'm trying to say is while we get yeah. all excited about how we get treated or perceived that the sends are never talked about, well, that's why. If they're... And in a bigger market, they will get more attention. It's that simple. Anyway, it comes there down is. to dollars and cents. Yeah, there's a lot of positives to it, too. That people like, obviously, you want your team to be profiled as much and have the main spots. But it's like, how nice is it that, like, the media and different covers the team different? Like, we talked about that on a recent show, yep. right, with um, Bobby, I think. And um, so you, you don't have, like, that same kind of mentality where... Uh, you're going to get overrun in your own locker room every every time there's a national game uh, by all these media you never see and all those things. So it, it's nice. It kind of creates it's a little bit looser. I, I really noticed it when Dion came. Like Dion was surprised at how different the coverage was, right? Like he came yeah. from Toronto to Ottawa. Like he was shocked uh, at just how loose and relaxed everything was. So there's some benefits there too if you yeah. want to really dig, dig for them. But it'd be nice if Thomas Shabbat, the assistant captain and kind of workhorse of this team, maybe didn't have his name slandered after one bad period on national television, but it happens, man. If you don't want that to happen, don't have a bad period. And uh, that's a sad okay, but, way but to look at it. But they're talking about you, right? Yeah. If yeah. it was if it was Josh Brown or something, like he's not going to get the same attention. They're talking about Thomas Shabbat because he's elite-level defenseman. That's why yeah. you take the good with the bad, and you take a bad period and you move on. But look at them draw – like. 
the focus now on Thomas Shabbat, and now he becomes a national national discussion. Should it be on the Olympic team? What's about this? And and now people start to dig into seeing. And you brought it up earlier, looking at Thomas Shabbat and all the stuff that he's done. He gets he gets put under a different light. Yeah, the irony is, I think this is probably the best he's played in a really long time. Like he's the obviously the yeah. goals aren't coming the same, but. Uh, so if that's all you're looking at, yeah, okay, he's having a down year. But, I mean, defensively, like, there's a reason they play him almost 30 minutes a night because he's that good. And they don't have anybody else that's that's even close. So until there's a little bit of relief there on the blue line and they can roll in some guys that can eat up more of these minutes. And Meth brought it up. Like, maybe Hetherington's that guy. Maybe, you know what I mean, Lassie Thompson, he was playing more minutes than he probably should have too, and he responded well to it. So, like, if we're talking about a development time of this team, like, let's develop these guys that can – let's not shelter them, right? Like, it doesn't matter. Exactly. Like, if they – it doesn't matter. Let's let's lose some of these games if we have to, if guys learn how to play these minutes and we don't have to grind Thomas Shabbat down into nothing like we did with Eric Carlson, who now is like he's he's what, in his early thirties and it's like he he looks like he's had the wear and tear of fifteen years in the in the league because he, that's what he's done. So you can't ask him to log all these miles too much right now. It doesn't matter. So oh, and, let's and find some what guys are you gaining? Play. What are you gaining from it? Right? Like we had this discussion yeah. earlier. It's like you're playing the shit out of him and what are you really getting from that? The odd win here and there? Is it what's 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 more important to you? And that's that's exactly. where I'm coming from. I'm thinking the I'm thinking the long game. And I know I'm not a coach and my my livelihood isn't depending on win per win, you know, but but from an outsider's point of view, I want like when the team finally comes together in a year or two from now or two or three seasons, I, I don't know when that'll be, you want him to be feeling, you know, like like the Thomas Shabbat that he should be in his prime elite level defender all-star that's the guy you want then and you don't want some beat down player that's exhausted so absolutely fair enough uh by the way if you can see craig he's wearing a wally mathot uh, sweatshirt which you can order <laughs> gongshowgear.com never I love it never take a moment to pass up a good ad uh so yeah, get in yeah. at gongshowgear.com and go check out uh the wally mathot merch uh thanks once again to our sponsors which is sportsinteraction.com uh bonisherexcavating.com and uh, Whitewater, as always, shopwhitewater.ca. Use the Wyomathot coupon code. That is our show. I feel like we're tempting fate here as we continue on because the Methernet has been outstanding today. It's been real good. Real good. Like, I don't know the BPSs or the MVPs or whatever it's called, but it is outstanding today for you. So I'm, full prop. I'm you just might be hoping. The MVP of the show. My, my wife's at the dentist with my son, but my daughter's upstairs presumably still sleeping because I haven't heard anything. <laughs> so for all I know, she's crying. Uh, so this is a good opportunity for me to say goodbye and I'm going to go check in on her. (laughs) All right, boys. Uh, we'll see you next time. That's the Wally Talk Show. Take care. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 